And now we come to the strangest story of all, the story of the resurrection. And what are we going to make of it? Famous Christian author C.S. Lewis asked this question years ago. And it's the very same question that you and I are facing this morning. Because beyond a shadow of a doubt, the story of Jesus' life and death and resurrection has to be one of the most unexpected, strangest twists in all of history. God sends his one and only son to love us and to show us how to love. He heals the broken. He forgives the sinful. He feeds the hungry. He gives the thirsty something good to drink. He speaks up for those who have no one else to speak up for them. He, he gives a voice to the voiceless. He defends the helpless. He, he always finds a way to avoid threatening or, or forcing. He doesn't talk about God and a re relationship with God as if we have to love God or else. No, instead, it's always this warm invitation to be a part of God's kingdom of love, a love that is strong enough to redeem everything and everyone that is lost, that, that brings everything and everyone home again. He, he was the best and brightest human being to ever bless this planet with his presence. And there were people who, who saw it. There were people who could understand it even then, but there were many other people. There were more people who, who didn't understand. And all they saw when they looked at Jesus was a, a too-good-to-be-true peasant who was able to trick people into to believing that he could do miracles and change their lives and give them hope when nobody else could. He was this, this everyday, ordinary person who somehow had, had this ability to bring people to him, to draw people to him that nobody else was able to reach, that nobody else seemed to care about. And as his following grew, as the crowds grew, there were these people who had just started to figure out how to how to kind of beat the world at its own game. And Jesus scared them. He, he threatened them because everything he did, everything he said made it clear that he wasn't satisfied with the way the world was, with the way the world is. He, he wasn't satisfied. He wanted to change it. He, he kept saying that God wanted to change it, to change everything. And these people who had just started to figure out how to, how to benefit from the way the world is broken. They, they didn't want the whole world changed. They didn't want the whole world turned upside down. And so they called in every favor they could. They pulled every string they could think of, and they managed to convince the Roman leaders that Jesus, this man who loves everyone, this, this man who wants to help everyone, they convinced them that he was a threat to the peace. And so... They find a way to get these Roman authorities to sentence Jesus to death. And so he's crucified. He's, he's nailed by his hands and his feet to a rough wooden cross, displayed humiliatingly for all the world to see as nothing more than this common criminal. And in any other story 
a few of, of his remaining followers, just a handful of people who had somehow trusted him through all of it, they, they would have been there, they would have watched him die, they would have taken his body, they would have put him in a tomb, and that would have been the end of it. That would be the end of this story, but this isn't any other story. This is, as C.S. Lewis says, the strangest story of all. And What are we going to make of it? If you've got your Bible, open up to Luke chapter 24. We'll be starting in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible this morning, just read the screens above me. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood Beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then, then they remembered his words. With some of Jesus' friends and followers, they go to the tomb to honor him, to honor his memory. They find that he isn't there, that his, his body is missing. And throughout the centuries, there have been all kinds of attempts that people have made to explain this shocking discovery. They go to honor Jesus, to honor his memory, and he isn't there. His body's missing. I, I remember a few years ago watching a documentary where incredibly intelligent scholars did their very best to explain why this happened without a physical resurrection ever taking place. And so there were scholars that said, well, the body obviously was stolen. There were, there were grave robbers that took him for some reason, and his friends and his followers, his disciples, they were so grief-stricken and confused that when they get there and the body's gone, they hallucinate these angels. They, they come up with a story that, that makes sense to them because it doesn't make sense that he's missing, and, and that's what happened. There were other scholars that said, well, it, it's not that as much as... You know, when he was on the cross, his, his body was undergoing so much trauma and, and he was suffering so much that he slipped into some sort of coma. And, and three days later, he woke up and he got up and he walked out of the tomb. It wasn't a resurrection. It was just a, a resuscitation. He just came back to life, not all the way, but most of the way. And then there were other scholars that said, well... It has nothing to do with what did or didn't happen. It has to do with the fact that we're having to rely on four Gospels that can't seem to agree perfectly on everything. And if they don't all agree on every single detail, then that means that not a single one of them could be telling us the truth. But then at the very end of this documentary, there's this, this expert, a historian, who has made it clear throughout the documentary that he doesn't care one way or the other about Scripture. He just wants to get to the truth. And he admits in the documentary that he is confused at some level about what it is that this story is actually about. And I will never forget what he says. He looks right at the interviewer and he says, I don't know what happened three days after this historical figure that we call Jesus was crucified. But I do know this. His followers saw something. They encountered something so amazing that they refused to deny it, even under the threat of death. No amount of torture or persecution could cause any single one of them to say otherwise. I don't know what they saw. 
I don't know what they heard, but I do know this. Whatever it was, it wasn't just their imaginations. And then he went on to explain how it couldn't have possibly been a resurrection. Easter is one of the handful of Sundays a year where there's a really good possibility that there are people in this room who aren't normally in this room. And I don't mean you're visiting family from other places. I mean, this is one of those days when there's a chance that there are people in this room sitting in these pews that don't normally come to church at all, that aren't quite sure that that we're going to sign off on this whole Christianity thing. And because of that, I mean, you've probably been to church on Easter before. It's this temptation for every preacher to try to use the time that we have to make this case, right? To reach out to all the, the skeptics and the doubters and somehow prove that the resurrection is a historical fact. I don't want to spend the little time that we have left together this morning that way. I don't. I don't want to go through all the forensic details that we can dig up from 2,000 years ago to try to prove or disprove what did or didn't happen according to science or history or whatever. There are countless people, preachers and writers, who have laid out those cases before and will lay them out again. And sometimes those explanations work for, for some of us, and for others of us, those explanations feel like they're grasping at straws. There are all kinds of questions we bring to this moment that we simply cannot find satisfying answers to. But there is one question that I want us to focus on that we can answer for ourselves this morning, right here, right now, and it's this. Do you want to live in a world where Jesus died and then stayed dead just like everybody else, or do you want to live in a world where Jesus died and was raised to life? I know what kind of world I want to choose to believe I'm living in. See, I I don't think Easter's the time for us to, to find a way to go back to a dusty tomb and prove or disprove anything. I think I think this day is a day to believe. To choose to believe in something that cannot be proven because that's why it's faith. To choose to believe that that the story of the resurrection really is the strangest story ever told, and it happened. Today's a day for us to to push past our our doubts and and to run not only towards the the sun on the horizon as, as it gives us hope on this Easter morning, but to believe that that sun, that that hope is rising in our hearts, to get past our sometimes struggling hope to hold on to something that we, we want to believe is possible, even though we can't explain it, and even though we can't convince anybody who doesn't want to believe in it that it happened, that we choose to believe that it's the most true thing that has ever occurred and ever will occur, and it changes everything. Easter's not a time to argue. It's, it's, it's not a time to, to convince. It's a time to believe. Frederick Beekner says it this way, Christ rose. If you saw him and talked to him, if it's true, there's nothing left to say. We need to get back to a bunch of preachers on that. If it's not true, there's nothing left to say. But for believers and unbelievers both, life has never been the same, and for believers, neither has 
death. And, and he's right. Because if we choose to believe that Jesus died and then God raises him to life, it changes everything. It, it doesn't leave anything untouched. There's nothing in your life, there's nothing in our world that gets to, to stay the same. It all gets transformed from what it used to be into what God believes it can be again. And more than that, it's not, it's not just life after death. It's, it's a life that changes us before death. It's, it's a life where we no longer have to be afraid of death. That doesn't have any power over us. And that's really good news for every single one of us in this room because we face death every single day. The pain of it, the fear of it, you and I, we have lost people that we loved that we still love as much as life itself. They go by different names. Daddy, mom, sweetheart. We've lost brothers and sisters. We've lost grandparents. We've lost parents. We've lost aunts and uncles and cousins. We have lost sons and daughters. We have lost friends that we love as much as any family member. And we run from those thoughts as much as we can. We, we try to not think about it, turn the music up, look out the window, make ourselves busy, do whatever we can to not have to think about how much it hurts because we know that as much as there are times we run away from, from the reality, the stark reality of death in our lives that that there are moments we aren't able to run away from it. There are moments we can't distract ourselves from it. We would give anything to see them again. Anything. Every, every funeral, every, every coffin we encounter, it, it makes us feel less like ourselves. It, it makes us feel less complete. It makes us long for something else. But it's not just the people that we have loved and lost to death. It's also our own very real fears of death in our lives, right? That angry anxiety that, that suddenly rises in our hearts when our doctors are forced to use words like cancer and heart disease and Alzheimer's. There's something that the test revealed. There's, there's something in this x-ray. There's something in these MRI results. And we are immediately scared to death of what's going to happen. We have a strange pain that can't be explained. We, we feel a tightening in our chest. We, we're afraid. We're afraid of death because we don't know what it, what it means. We don't know what it's going to be like. And what we're always the most afraid of are, the, are those things that we don't fully understand. And so again, we, we try to ignore it. We try to think about anything other than the fact that death a physical death is waiting, not just for people we love, but for ourselves. And, and beyond all of that, you and I both know the very real truth that it's not just a physical death that we're afraid of. It's, it's all the ways that we die inside because of what we're going through in this life. I mean, we, we try and we fail. We we give ourselves to a relationship that means the world to us, and that person walks away from us. We, we lose an ability to trust. We, we have our hope 
snuffed out. We, we, have, we have this phrase that we say, right, that's more than just words. We say, this is killing me. And we mean it. Because we don't know how to keep going after we encounter some sort of, of brokenness or betrayal in our hearts and in our souls. But then we wake up and it's Easter morning. We wake up on, on this morning. And we go to the places in our hearts that are graves and tombs, the shadowy places that we run from. And on this morning, we have the courage to go to those places and declare that God is making all things new. That, that God is making all things new. That God is, is making you new. Everyone you love new. That God is, is changing the way that we, we grieve, that we don't grieve without hope. Because we believe that it's not just a resurrection for Jesus, it's a resurrection for all of us. And the people that we have loved and lost, we will see them again. And we believe that, that though we, we are afraid of what the future might hold for us in our own lives, that death is not ever the final word, that, that somehow through the power of God and through the love of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit, death itself is never an ending, it's a brand new beginning. And we believe in all of the, the soul-diminishing disappointments that we have to struggle with, that we carry around inside of us, that those moments where we feel like something is killing us, that those moments of betrayal and failure and fear, they, they never get to tell the, the whole story about who we are or who we're going to be. See, we wake up on, on Easter morning and we realize the truth That we don't have to be afraid. We, we don't have to be afraid to trust. We don't have to be afraid to hope. We don't have to be afraid to love with all of our hearts, no matter what happens, because God is holding us. God is holding us together. God is holding us when nothing else is going right in our lives. God is there for us, and even when it gets as dark as it can possibly get, we find out that even then God has not abandoned us and God never will. We don't have to be afraid that we aren't good enough or good looking enough or successful enough or, or faithful enough or spiritual enough. We don't have to be afraid of anything ever again because we believe that Easter is not a fairy tale, it's the truth. That's why anyone would choose to live as if life after death isn't possible. I, I don't know, but I do know this. The story of the resurrection is true whether we believe in it or not. Christ's first followers saw something. They, they encountered something amazing, so amazing that they refused to deny it even under the threat of death itself, that no amount of torture or persecution could convince any single one of them to say otherwise. And it wasn't just their imaginations. And I believe this morning that it's not just Jesus' first followers who get to see and encounter something amazing. It is his present-day followers as well. It's you and it's me. It's us. That if we'll believe, if we'll just choose 
against all hope to hope that maybe, just maybe it's possible, we will see and we will hear, and it won't be just our imaginations. Jesus has overcome, and the grave is overwhelmed. The victory is won. He is risen from the dead, and we will rise when he calls our names. No more sorrow, no more pain. We will rise on eagle's wings before our God fall on our knees and then rise. We will rise. Brothers and sisters, we are the Easter people, and this is our song. Let us stand together and sing it.